Welcome to our first ever On the Clock Fantasy Edition with Steve Schaub. Today we want to discuss the state of the NFL season with COVID unfortunately very still much present in our lives and we're going to discuss how it will relate to the fantasy football season and the trickle down effects that we may have to experience. We also want to take this time to remind you On the Clock Fantasy is live so be sure to check out on the clock fantasy to prepare for your season long drafts. I know you only have a, a week or less than two weeks left, but um, you can use it to set um, the settings of your league and prepare for your season long drafts. Um, so now let me introduce our um, data manager and on the clock creator. Steve um, has created the rankings for on the clock fantasy. So let's bring him in and have a little chat. Steve, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Uh, looking forward to the NFL season right around the corner. All right, that's right. Football is finally back. Um, but as we begin to talk about that, you know, we have to address that obviously we're living in this horde COVID era and sports have had to make massive pivots in order to start or finish seasons. We've had the NBA, NHL and MLS in a bubble. And so far that is working really well. Um, and then you have the uh, baseball and the MLB that has been pretty bumpy outside the bubble with some outbreaks and positive cases. And, you know, scientists say that the way for team sports to work is in a bubble. Now, the NFL is not doing that. They're proceeding as normal. Obviously, they have their COVID protocols and um, testing um, protocols. But how optimistic are you about the NFL's approach to the upcoming season compared to the other major sports? Well, I think right now, uh, we're seeing that the NFL saw improvement as they kind of locked down in their own mini bubbles with training camp. But that, I believe, is going to go out the window once uh, once camp is over and, and the season starts. And then, of course, you have the travel aspect of it, of teams coming together. And uh, as we've seen with baseball, that can be a, a big problem. Um, I think the NFL are you know they're, they're doing the right things with number of testing uh i know there's still concerns how much testing they'll, they'll do forward once the season starts um i know a lot of different teams are like limiting the number of players in the facilities at certain times cleaning more in between session like training sessions and all that and, and that of course needs to continue but um until unless they're locking down i think there are gonna be hiccups that where we see teams have many outbreaks of uh, of cases throughout the season so i do i do think i'm excited for the start of the nfl season but i worry that we could have teams who uh, you know there's a week where five six or more players end up having to be scratches because of a, a mini outbreak and that obviously could greatly change the scope of the season uh in those types of cases sure and as your as your sister i obviously we talk about this a lot and i know we're kind of on the same page we're super excited for nfl to come back but we're kind of waiting for is the other shoe going to drop so does the lack of positive cases over the last two weeks give you more hope about the nfl's approach or is it kind of a let's wait and see till what the season really brings when it's a little different than as you kind of alluded to well, I, I think it, it shows that a bubble or a hybrid bubble approach, uh, I mean, essentially right now what you have are 32 different bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, not not like what uh, NBA and NHL are doing uh, and, and some other leagues like WNBA and, and MLS as well. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I feel like that's kind of similar to uh, what the PGA Tour has done in, in golf, of where they kind of keep the same group traveling together. But we've seen out, we've seen some um, positive cases in, in that approach as well. So uh, I, I just feel if you can continue with this essentially 32 team semi bubble, uh, you should be okay because even if you're traveling, there's a few extra risks there, but. Uh, you'd be generally okay, but if everyone starts going home and um, and especially as cities, some cities might start to open back up a little bit more as we get into the fall. Uh, there, there could be some potential of uh, a team who is in a low risk area um, then travels to a team that's in a high risk area and they they start having uh, outbreaks in that case. So, um, I would love. For the NFL to go to a some sort of bubble format, um, I, it just appears that's not what they're going to do. So, without that, I, I think we're going to have cases, and I think you're going to see what what Major League Baseball saw is right. uh, a number of key players missing time. I think you're going to see potentially some game cancel cancellations. Um, I think you're going to see some uh, rescheduling of games. So. You know, we could be seeing football on some weird nights um, <laughs> because of uh, because of this. You know, where a game can't be played on a on a Sunday or Monday, and you have to move it to Tuesday because you need a, another test to make sure enough players are cleared to play. Um, I, I just think it, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of difficulties with doing this, and the NFL is obviously more capable than many organizations to handle it, and. The fact that they only have one game a week is a positive in that sense. It's sure. not like baseball where, you know, if there's an outbreak on a team or, or even the fear of an outbreak on a team, you need to shut down for three to five days, and, and that could be four or five games. So, games, right. Um, there, there is that. Uh, and, and, and because you had that whole week time, you might have some more flexibility to bump a game from Sunday to Tuesday or something along those lines just to, to make sure you still get a game in. So um, the, the NFL is generally in a better position than other sports, but there's also, uh, unlike some of these other sports that aren't doing the bubble, like baseball, which has very little contact between players uh, outside of just being on the bench together, being in the dugout together, being in the training room together. NFL, of course, you're constantly in each other's face here. Contact sport. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is the most contact sport. And uh, NBA and NHL have uh, a, lo a lot of close proximity as well. But, of course, they did the bubble approach. So right. um, we'll see how that plays out for the NFL. Has there been any mention with any NFL teams or the NFL specifically or as a whole that, that there would be like an in-season like 32 bubbles? Or is it is it... it to be assumed that everybody will just kind of go home after practice at this point. Um, I, I think that teams are going to require different things from players and, and um, probably more responsibility, but uh, of their players and coaches, it's obviously it can be coaches and trainers uh, bringing the bringing in infections just as easy. It, it's it, it's a problem, and that's the other issue that the NFL has is their rosters and their support staff, even cutting it down as you are, is just so much more massive than these right. other sports. I mean, an NBA team 
you know, 15 players, a couple coaches, a couple trainers, uh, of course, in this bubble. And then the, the food stuff's all prepped. And, uh, you know, it's just a different situation in the bubble. But you're, you're talking about what, testing 20, 25 people um, every day, every five, five times a week, whatever the case may be. With the NFL, with 53-man roster, I think they're doing a 15-man practice squad, the coaching staff, the trainers, uh, you know, just just regular people to, to help facilitate, um, you know, doing practice and, and working out. You're talking over 100 people per team oh, yeah. that need to be tested. So uh, you're talking about magnitude of, of five, four or five times higher than an NBA team three or four times higher than NHL team and at least twice as high as a, a baseball team. So um, football does present a much bigger challenge in that regard. And, and that's also, uh, you know, just makes it one little case could, could break out a much higher rate. So uh, I know teams are working on making sure that meetings are done a bit more separately on, on offense. So uh, breakouts don't, ravage an entire team and things of that nature but um it's gonna be tough and and unfortunately i don't think there's um there's a lot of examples they can take from these other situations uh since football is just so different than these other sports well i think you bring up a great point of the nfl has such a greater challenge because the exponentially bigger roster and staff sizes not to mention that that travel really wasn't changed or accounted for with NFL. Um, obviously, they're once they're out of training camps, they're not really in a bubble. So I think there are a lot of you know, you know, issues that could present problems. Another issue that I wanted to ask you about is um, about a week or so ago, there was about five six teams affected by false positives. Um, it was they were you know not. COVID positive, they were false positives, it was the lab's issue, but if that those issues don't get worked out before the season, or if that were to happen in season, we're talking a massive, massive problem. Oh, Talk about that a little bit. I mean, and I, I do think that that specific case is a unique thing, but it, it shows that it can easily, it, it, it's possible to happen. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of uh, situation where just a whole lab labs tests are essentially corrupted uh, or, or a significant portion of them are corrupted. Like you said, devastated, you know, six or seven teams um, that, that presented all these false positives and really showed, I mean, if that happened during the season, you'd essentially need to cancel an entire week of the season. Absolutely. Um, and now I, I think just in general, uh, you see different numbers, but you see, you know, the, these tests are um, are generally, you know, 95 to 98 percent um, accurate. And that's great in, in a large statistical sample. Uh, you know, when you're talking about the country, you can get fairly accurate numbers. But when you're talking about needing that test to then be able to play, as in sports, we've seen uh, false positives. I mean, we've seen in baseball multiple cases, uh, one of the more notable ones, Juan Soto, who, who missed- To start the, first, the season. Yeah. Missed the first two weeks of the season. And then it wasn't just, he started getting the positives uh, that, that he, or, or the, the negative test back that he needed, but because of, uh, of certain local uh, laws in, uh, they, they went away to Toronto, uh, which I know isn't necessarily gonna be the case for the NFL, 
um, uh, but also in, in his home city, Washington, D.C., that you needed so many tests over a certain number period of days that he it still took a while. Even when he meet the, met the MLB uh, restrictions, he could not meet the local restrictions for, for when he could come back. And uh, he missed two weeks. Um, yeah. So, you know, in some of these states, those restrictions are, are obviously just the same as Washington, D.C. or what Toronto has. Uh, so you you know, if a, you get a false positive, and, and he was not the only one. He was just one of the more well-publicized. There, there are many other ones. We've also seen it in golf. Uh, a couple guys who had uh, a false positive, and, um, and you know, and then you also, some guys who might get a positive test, they might not even check the next day. And, you know, it might take a while to determine that it was a truly false positive, since, you know, positive cases can also, of course, be these asymptomatic cases. So, um, it's it, it can be problematic again because when you're talking about such a large number of group of people getting tested, you know, a hundred or more on an NFL team, that's a lot. That that's over, you know, over three thousand people getting tested every week um, with these NFL teams. You're gonna get even at ninety eight percent effectiveness. You're talking about couple dozen people who end up you know with a with a false positive so um that that's more likely to play out when the number gets bigger and bigger and the sample size is bigger and bigger you know for an nba team or nhl team with small roster sizes uh, your those false positives probably won't pop up as much um, right but you know we saw them pop up more in baseball and i think we're likely to see them pop up more in football even if you it, you know, hopefully there's no more uh, truly um, just bad lab situations like we saw right. a couple of weeks ago. So uh, that that is a, a great concern. And, and then dealing with not just the NFL regulations about when you can get back on the field, but any local regulations uh, that could be even more strict than than the NFL. Well, that's a great point. And whether it's it's a false positive or an actual positive case, you know, the impacts with NFL compared to um, baseball, and I know baseball is a condensed season, so every game kind of matters more than it does in a typical season, but we're talking a, a 16-week season, so if a guy's out two weeks, that's a that's a huge chunk of this, you know, the season, and um, I think that the impacts um, of that might hit a little harder than some other sports, too. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. We see all the times where uh, even short-term injuries uh, a guy missing three four weeks uh, can a star player that can really negatively impact um, a team season whether it's they miss sure. the playoffs entirely or they go from being the division winner first round by to the wild you know, card wild card and having to, to battle their way through so um, yeah you know that that is a a greater concern and, and I think you have a situation where that's going to come up more. Um, you know, injuries are going to be a bigger factor. And, and I think the, the other issue that isn't getting talked about a lot that these other sports so far have not had to deal with is we are now going to be entering cold and flu season. So yes. you, have, uh, you have a lot of similar symptoms. And we saw a couple cases with the Reds and a few, I think a couple others in baseball, uh, and maybe one in the NBA where a player reported 
that they were just not feeling great. And so they had to sit out um, while they got tested again, even though their previous tests had not shown any uh, COVID positivity. Um, that's going to happen more and more uh, where players, if they're taking temperatures every day, players are going to pop with a hundred degree fever. Um, and it know. might not be COVID. And, and, <laughs> it, and it, it very well could not be COVID. I mean, how many times through the course of the year do we hear about flus ravaging through a team uh, right. for a week or two? And, and most of those players end up playing. I mean, some end up sitting out because they, they just had the flu so bad that they can't play or they're not going to be effective enough to play. But a lot of those players end up playing uh, in those weeks, and those are the players, you know, getting the, um, you know, the IVs on the sidelines yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, does that change in in 2020 with the era of COVID? It is going to be a big concern. It is can, you know, maybe there will be rapid enough testing. Um, you know, I know they're developing some of these rapid testing that can be done in 20 minutes, and and maybe the NFL is willing to pay for it for like that day of the player comes in sick and we rapidly test them but will other players be okay with that i mean players association is a lot of say as well so right uh you know a lot of a lot of guys are worried about their families uh not not just their health uh sure. but their their families they have young kids or or older family members they're taking care of or or you know their their wives their girlfriends whatever um so uh, you know that that's an issue that really hasn't been talked about yet. I don't know what the NFL's plan is, uh, but we know that the the flu can can ravage teams for a week or two during the season, and those guys end up still playing. Are they still going to be allowed to play if it's just the flu ravaging the team and not COVID when they're all showing up with the you know a hundred degree temperature and and hacking and coughing and, right. and everything else? So. We'll see. I mean, again, I, I really hope the NFL has a plan, but uh, this is the other thing with not being in the bubble. If you were in a bubble, you're probably not going to be the flu virus. You probably right. be flew out much less right. COVID. So um, I, I don't know. We'll see if they have to adjust. And, and I, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm just trying to be honest. And, and I hope that these don't occur and the NFL has a plan and maybe they can get the rapid testing uh, and everyone's fine. And, and you know, the, it works out because we need football. We need, we need sports. We do. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and because I think our fear is the, the quality. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we also need sports as much um as normal as possible because obviously both the NBA and NHL had their seasons drastically interrupted. They came back and, uh, you know, it, it's been fun and interesting and, and they're into their playoffs now. Um, baseball has had, had a, have a drastically reduced season. Uh, I mean, they just had the, the trade deadline. I mean, so weird of teams yeah. making trades and they're like five games out of first place. Uh, and, and they're in, in the bottom because, you know, in in the course of the season, uh, on a regular season, you could easily determine who the contenders and non-contenders were much different this type of season. So, um, you know, we, we need football to be as normal as possible. And I, I totally understand why college football is going the way that it is. It is and most conferences are postponing football or, or canceling it uh, because it's a, obviously a much different um, ball game when you're talking about amateur athletes uh, and 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 all the costs and, and things associated there. But 
it, it would be great if football could be back to normal and you know we have our typical Thursday, Sundays and Mondays and, and maybe Saturdays. <laughs> I know they want to replace some college football with NFL as well, but right. um, you know, because we all love that and that's what we want. Uh, I just hope we, we see it because this has just been such a such a weird year um, for for everything and, and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of scary times. But the uh, the return to normalcy with football, I think, would be great um, for for sports fans everywhere. Absolutely, and and that's what I was going to say too. Is is you know we're not trying to be negative. We want we love football just as much as the next person and we want football to be as normal as possible and the quality of the game to be as normal as possible both for the teams um to have you know their chances and not be affected by you know players being sick and you know quite honestly people love fantasy football whether you're playing season long or best ball or daily fantasy and the quality of of that to be you know um the best possible and and so that's kind of why we're bringing up these topics so before we get to kind of into some fantasy specific topics i do have to ask one more question if if things were to go totally sideways what do you think the nfl's best plan b would be i mean we are seeing the bubbles have success do you think they you know do a mini delay and and get players and their families into like bubbles or multiple bubbles do you see it just delaying the season significantly i mean the nfl is a business it's the season has to be played when and how is the question. So what do you think would be the best plan B if things were to really go sideways sometime this fall? Yeah, I, I think from a, um, a safety, which would be number one, and then a financial standpoint, which, uh, you know, it, it's just a reality. It is a business. And, you know, these players make money by the NFL and teams making money. Like they're not going to be paid if, they don't play and if if you uh, don't have a good product so i think if there starts to be cases if you start to see things where teams just aren't fielding uh functional rosters um, because of, of many outbreaks on their team i think a you know probably a two-week delay and a quick um bubble approach and uh, you know i don't think you'd do one bubble uh necessarily like uh like the NBA and even the NHL's two bubbles, uh, hubs as they called it, mm-hmm. uh, you might need to break it down to four. Um, and obviously some geographical, uh, sense, maybe sure. have, you know, the, uh, the, the West teams. And I know, you know, uh, NFL is, is the, the sport that is least geographically accurate to the terms of their, uh, sure. their divisions. Um, but but you if know, you had geographic bubbles, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but I mean, just the the NFC, AFC West, NFC, AFC South, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, joined together. Um, you you still have teams. You still have Miami as an AFC East team, uh, unless that bubble is in Florida. Miami is having to go pretty far away to to the rest of the AFC and NFC North teams. And same with, of course, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, those are just the long time rivalries that uh, people didn't want to get rid of when the last realignment, when the Texans came into play. But, um, you know, I, I just think that would be the way to go. Probably do four bubbles. Uh, you'd obviously have to change the schedule around some. Sure. Um, honestly, if you had four bubbles going together and everyone's healthy traveling in between them wouldn't be that big of a deal. But, uh, 
so it would be weird changing the schedule and playing teams that you typically wouldn't play more. Um, and, and maybe you could break it down into an NFC, AFC bubble, uh, just doing two bubbles that way. That would be an option as well. But I think you'd probably need to do like a, a quick two-week everyone isolate into a bubble uh, before we play a game. And that would, of course, push back the season because I think the last thing the NFL um, wants to do is eliminating games. Um, sure. You know, it, like baseball had to do it, um, you know, and uh, hockey kind of cut some games off before they went into uh, to their um, play-in game round of of their hubs. Um, but, and, and obviously, even those college football teams that are going forward, they, they've cut their schedules. The last thing the NFL wants to do, though, is to cut their schedule. Uh, so right. much of their revenue, uh, they're already losing the fan revenue um, in attendance revenue. Uh, losing that TV revenue, if you go down from 16 games to 14 to 13 to 12, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's it's massive. Yeah. That's massive. And, uh, um, and of course, all the other effects of that comes with it, like the uh, not just the television revenue, but you're going to see less jersey sales if teams aren't playing. You're going to see, uh, obviously, the, the impact of fantasy sports that is drives so much viewership. Uh, changes if you really have to cut the schedule down. So um, that I think would should be the fallback. I mean, I've not heard that to be the fallback, but that to me would be the ideal of like a two week reset. Sure, it would push back things. Um, maybe you could cut the week, the extra week you have between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Maybe you only need to push the Super Bowl back one week. Maybe you wouldn't change, have to change the schedule that drastically in that case, but. Um, that I imagine to be the all, the the best form of um, a, a plan a, B. A, yeah. yeah, and and I would agree with you. And and I know you'd have to get the players' association to sign off on that. And that's that's the you know uh, would be a big sticking point. But I I think that is the best plan B if things were to go sideways. And again, we're not trying to be cynics here. We want the NFL season to happen just as much as everybody else. I just think a lot of fans, unfortunately, aren't thinking through some of these these issues that could arise. Um, I listened to the Ross Tucker podcast, and shout out to he's a he's a, a um, former NFL player, and he has a great podcast, and he has um, Andrew Brandt on a lot. And they've talked this through, and, and Andrew Brandt has used the expression of, the NFL really has to thread the needle and and everything has to kind of go just right and just perfect. And, and he's right. And, and so that's kind of the issues we're bringing up if it doesn't go just right and just perfect. And if bigger issues happen, you know, what could be done? Because we want to see an NFL season happen. We want to see fantasy football happen and we want to see the best possible product, both for the teams and the players safety. And obviously, um, you know, fantasy related um, trickle down effects so that we can enjoy our fantasy football season too. So let's get to that, Steve. Let's talk fantasy football impact. So um, there, if there were to be COVID outbreaks or a lot of positive tests during the season, how does the landscape of all types of fantasy football um, kind of shift for you, especially if skill positions are sidelined with COVID positive tests? Well, in some ways, I think uh, skill positions outside of quarterback are the 
easiest pivots because if you're talking season long, you can just uh, go and pick up your the receiver backup uh, who is out that week or the running back backup. Um, uh, and, of course, you know, many running back backups are already taken, but then you get the backup to the backup um, <laughs> in some of those cases. Uh, you know, it, there, there's that I think is is easier to see. Quarterbacks are obviously a different issue because there becomes a much bigger uh, difference in when uh, Ben Roethlisberger is, uh, you know, running the offense and, uh, you know, Duck Hodges um, or, <laughs> or, or Matt Stafford or David Blau. You know, like, you're off, it, it's not the same offense. It's not, sure, you know that quarterback will, will run and throw some, but um, that, that affects everyone. That, that hurts uh, your receivers, your tight ends, your, even your running back production. Um, I think the bigger concern, and, and of course, daily fantasy, it's the same thing. You just go find the backup, play the backup. Um, I think the bigger concern is judging how the impacts of um, any additional COVID positive tests that are on, say, an offensive or defensive line, a secondary, uh, because now that becomes, you know, are these receivers maybe more valuable than your, your, you know, if you're a season long and you have a, you know, a, a good quality top receiver, let's say a, um, a DeAndre Hopkins, and, uh, you know, you're going to play him every week no matter what, but let's say you have a, a tier down below, a, a guy like a, a Tyler Boyd or a, a you know, Sterling Shepard or, or guys like that who are probably going to crack around a thousand yards are typically good fantasy starters, but maybe now some other team has seen uh, the team that they're facing. The secondary is just decimated with between regular injuries and maybe an extra COVID positive or something along those lines. Maybe now that other receiver who's not as good becomes a better option because he's truly playing against guys off the street. Um, same with, uh, you know, you're, you have a star running back and his offensive lineman has three guys out. Um, and now maybe your backup running back is, is a little better because he's got a full offensive line. Um, right. so, so I think those types of deeper thinking on it and um, just you, you now need to start weighing things differently because – you know, we all love our, our star players, but as we've seen there, there are times where a an elite running back can get shut down or uh, or a, an elite receiver only goes five for 50 um, instead of their typical, you know, eight for 120 and a touchdown. Typically in season long, you still play that guy and you, you hope you hope that they do a little bit better. But now you might have cases where your backups are, are truly just in a much better situation. Um, we we could see if that that changes some strategy. Some uh, I th I think in general one thing that hasn't really gotten talked about is how in general this year, uh, as we saw the players who pulled out before the training camp started, we saw a lot of uh, defensive linemen uh, and offensive linemen pulling out, um, which makes sense. And some other defenders, linebackers and things of that nature uh, were, were probably the next group of players that pulled out. So 
could this change the way uh, running backs are affected just throughout this year um, where, you know, there's going to be a lot more teams who are thinner along both the offensive and defensive line and uh, pro and con for, for how that could play to the running game. Uh, we could see a situation where running backs are a little bit more valuable in fantasy. Uh, we've already seen them more become more valuable overall as we're seeing more complete fantasy running backs, guys like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, even guys like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, their contributions in the passing game um, have bolstered their value into this elite status. But now we could see more similar to what we saw last year with the Titans, Derrick Henry, these run-heavy teams, these run-first teams could actually be more stronger fantasy teams uh, because the defensive lines that they're playing against just aren't as deep, just aren't as strong uh, to begin with. And that's before our your typical injuries and potentially any uh covid cases come into play so already i think we're starting in a situation where offensive line plays down which could increase sacks uh but it's a lot of interior defensive linemen who who pulled out um of the season so that could that could lead teams to just wanting to run the football more and finding that is a more efficient use and and just in general we've seen uh, more success from run-heavy teams, uh, not necessarily sustainable success in the recent years, but obviously the 49ers a couple of years ago, the Jags went extremely deep into the playoffs with uh, with terrible quarterback play, but a great defense and, and good running game. So um, we will see if that kind of changes the way this year's fantasy works uh, with, with teams being a little bit more run-centered, run-heavy, um, maybe not... And just if rosters are a little thinner, uh, wanting to turn clock and not have as many plays as we've seen some of these high-powered offenses um, in years past. So um, I think there could be uh, – it'll be interesting to see how coaches take advantage of it. And I I tend to expect, um, you know, some teams, some coaches, like particularly the some of the, the more varying coaches out there, the Bill Belichick's and Andy Reid's, to, to tweak their game plans a little bit um, just in response to this. And it could also change the types of passes we see. Um, you know, the Chiefs obviously lost a, a, a starting offensive lineman who, who's working on the front lines in a hospital instead. Yeah, amazing story. Uh, yeah. But it, it could lead to less downfield passing and more short, quick passing because they want to, you know, protect Mahomes and get him, get him healthy, get him to the playoffs. They had some scares last year. They can't have that again. Right. Um, you know, he's the best quarterback in the league. So um, <laughs> I, I just it, it's tough to say because obviously there's been no preseason. So we haven't even right. seen hints of this. But I just wonder if we're going to see some differences in into the way certain teams approach uh, this season with uh, their game plans and and uh, their their in-game strategy. Well, these are excellent points, and you kind of answered my next question, which was what are going to be the trickle-down effects, whether um, position groups have already been affected or will be affected. So those are really, really good points. Now let's talk specifically about the different types of fantasy football. And you've got your season fantasy football, um, which obviously you only have about uh, about a week left to draft your team if you haven't had your fantasy draft yet. So would 
did your draft plan change this year for the drafts you've already done and for the drafts you still have to do will your draft plan draft plan change based on everything going on um to a minor extent uh i do think looking at some teams who uh were affected by players pulling out um uh and not not just that but i think that just adds into the general uh, free agent draft injury things that that have occurred and and just for an example um you know i i think uh one running back who, who's highly popular out there is miles sanders for the eagles and it makes sense i mean the eagles have been a good team for the last couple of years uh his backup is boston scott it looks like miles sanders is going to have a heavy heavy workload uh but on the flip side the eagles have had multiple injuries and offense alignment out um including really good ones uh and they also have multiple receivers who are banged up right now so this is an offense that could struggle very much early into the season and they're already pretty thin if and not even talking covid but just any other uh major injury on offense could be devastating for that team uh, even if Carson Wentz stays healthy for the entire year. So Miles Sanders' outlook could be drastically different. Um, I think another another thing I'd look at is, uh, of course, how the Patriots are. They had some of the most players um, opt out this year, uh, and, and that's with losing Tom Brady. And so you look at Cam Newton, he doesn't have much in the way of receivers beyond Julian Edelman. He's relying on two rookie tight ends who, you know, aren't getting a full camp, aren't getting the preseason work. Uh, they have a, a number of running backs, but are Cam Newton and those running backs nearly as potentially as effective, even if they're healthy, as they would be when they lost multiple offensive linemen? And then on the flip side, a couple of defensive starters opted out. So the Patriots' defense, which in – Couple last couple of years has kind of carried them and led their offense to be in a lot of good positions, a lot of good game scripts. And now that might not be the case. That Patriots defense might not be nearly as good as it's been the last couple of years. Uh, so you have a situation where the Patriots defense could be middle of the pack or or lower, and uh, now you have to instead of you know getting the ball back around the 50 yard line after your defense had a three and out and you punted, now you're having to drive. Uh, 80, 90 yards. That's that's much tougher for any team. Uh, and now you're missing a couple offensive linemen. So um, and just another team that's really thin as they start the season. Um, so I, I, I've tried to avoid players from that. I mean, if the value ends up being there when you draft, if they fall in a couple of rounds, sure. But I'm, I'm just a little less inclined for <clears throat> some players who, from teams who might not be what we expect as the season starts. Um, and, and again, this is not just uh, the COVID, COVID concerns uh, that just boils into the overall picture of what these teams look like sure. uh, come, come week one. So um, I, I think those are some concerns that, from a season-long perspective, Miles Sanders could still end up being a top 10, top 15 running back. Uh, but it, there's also a situation where his offense line is pretty badly hurt and they don't have the passing game threat that they expected when uh after the draft and, and they've invested all these resources into it um 
where the Eagles offense could struggle this year. And then they might still win football games. They're still a good team, but instead of putting up 35 points a week, they're putting, they're winning games 21, 17, stuff like that. Well, that, that's not good from a fancy perspective. Um, one other question on season long fancy, were you finding yourself drafting more, um, I mean, you always, like you said, at the end of the draft, are picking up some handcuffed running backs. But were you finding yourself strategically targeting more handcuffs this year? Uh, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, you're still just, you know, putting all your eggs in, in that team's basket. So if that team ends up, you know, just in a bad situation, uh, that can that can become a problem fast. But uh, I do I do think that you're you could have a situation where a team looks really strong to start. And again, not even that, that player um, getting injured or, or becoming COVID positive. But, you know, if, if a a team's offensive line has an outbreak and and three guys end up being out, then yeah, that's going to be a lot more risky. So um, I don't know if it really changed my perspective on, handcuff running backs. I think it did change my perspective a little bit just on value of running backs. Um, sure. I, uh, I I do recommend still getting a quantity of running backs and, and guys in either the first or second position, either starter or a backup, especially if that backup looks to at least have a third down role. Um, because I, I just don't think you know. And, and I think you do have a situation where this year um, the matchups could be a little bit different where uh, a running back who maybe typically is not considered a a top 24 back is now very viable because just the the game script and the situation that he's about to enter in. So um, I think depth at that position is a bit more prominent this year than in other years, but uh, it, uh, it makes things more difficult for sure. Okay. Now let's move on to daily fantasy. Uh, You and I both play, um, well, we play on FanDuel and DraftKings, but we play a whole lot of DraftKings. And, uh, you know, with daily fantasy, what strategies are changing? Is it just a matter of kind of being prepared, like at the end of the season when injuries are really stacking up and you just really have to be able to adjust more on on Saturdays and Sundays um, and Sunday mornings. Um, do you feel like you need to research backups more to prepare for the daily fantasy season? What kind of changes um, are you looking at for daily fantasy football? Uh, to me, it, it boils down kind of the same is less concerned about researching the backup, so to speak, more about finding the, the right matchups. If, uh, you know, an offensive line appears more um, injured or uh, dealing with issues via COVID, uh, then maybe that running back isn't as good of an option. If it's uh, the opposing team's defensive line, you know, that might be a top, you know, uh, you know, the 49ers defense, you, you don't play anyone against them in daily fantasy. But if they have a week where they have a couple regular injuries and then a couple COVID positive cases, suddenly, Maybe that's the defense you want to to target guys against. And there, if prices are already set from the week before, right, you might have actually have really good value because that that running back who's typically nine k uh, might only be seventy five hundred because oh he's facing the 49ers defense or, or some other great team's defense, and so you might actually 
find a lot of extra value, um, surplus value in those types of cases. Even if, even if that great running back, let's say it's a, it's a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley, uh, might not still reach their pinnacle, their their that fifty point week that we all want them to have. Uh, they might be getting high thirties at seventy five k, which is just as tremendous value as if they're getting fifty points at nine k. So, um, so it's, I, I think it's more looking at the matchups differently, how that changes things, especially when you're talking about adjusting to the price. And and it's the same if if it's a normal um, you know, a, a a team that doesn't typically uh, look that great on paper. Um, let's say maybe maybe the Bears' offense, and sure, you want to play Allen Robinson, but that's about it. But suddenly they're facing a secondary and a defense that's missing their top pass rusher and a couple of defensive backs. Maybe Anthony Miller's a really good play that week because he's really cheap. Um, right. You know that that kind of stuff where. You a guy who typically shouldn't be on your radar now could get another couple catches, another 20 yards, maybe an extra touchdown that you weren't expecting just because they're now facing, you know, some practice squad guys. And not just the fact that the quality of play is down, but this team had to reshuffle their defensive game plan uh, late in the week. Um, so that, t- that type of stuff, I, I think, comes into play. And, and same is true as picking fantasy defenses. If you see an offensive line or a quarterback get, go out late, boy, that's the defense you want to play, even if they're they're typically not a great fantasy defense. Um, right. So it's that kind of stuff that I think needs to be weighed, and especially when it comes to daily fantasy, uh, looking at the price and the value that you're getting. Well, as, as Washington fans, we've definitely seen um, practice squad level secondaries be exploited. So I think this... Uh, you know, rings true. And, and it sounds like you're preaching matchups in regards to all types of fantasy football. And that honestly makes a lot of sense in, in a way, because I think that's not going to be how all fantasy players will look at it. And um, really looking to exploit mac- matchups makes a whole lot of sense. Steve, before we go, any closing thoughts? Uh, just uh, hoping for a great kickoff to the NFL season next week. And, you know, I do think, I think the NFL is big enough and strong enough to figure something out, whether it's rapid testing, whether it's switching to a bubble on the fly. Um, I think they'll get it done. And I think we will have some semblance of a good, good season. I think we're just going to have to realize that there are going to be more, you know, COVID related issues than, than of course we'd ever want. Um, and that's going to change football this year. And, and I, you know, I hope it's not drastic enough where everyone considers it an asterisk, year but um but you know enjoy enjoy football and enjoy fantasy football um because you know we all love sports and and uh, we want it fun for everyone absolutely i'm hoping for all the same things that you you said it perfectly um so for everybody who still has any season-long drafts, don't forget you can use On The Clock Fantasy to get ready for your season-long draft. Um, go to On The Clock um, slash Fantasy OTC. Uh, we'll probably be doing some more podcasts soon as the NFL season gets underway. But everybody enjoy the start to the NFL season, the fantasy football season. And until then, stay safe and we'll see you next time.